When he was a kid, Brandon Smith was surrounded by a family of public servants. My great-great-grandparents were crossing guards. My grandmother was a retired teacher. My grandfather was a custodian. My mom in the army, now she's a nurse. Mm -hmm. My uncle's in the army. Now, I come from a group of folks that want to help others in need. For Brandon's family, the idea of making a home involved giving back to the community. And for a long time, Brandon is on the same path. But then he makes mistakes. The kind of mistakes that land him in prison. I remember being in the bed on my bunk late at night, crying like, Lord, what do I do? I felt ashamed. I felt terribleness to my family and to my friends. And I felt that I was a public nuisance. He knows he's disappointed everyone who loves him. And he knows he's facing two and a half years of prison time to make up for his mistakes. But then one day, the prison counselor drops by. She's been looking over his record. He's pretty small time, nothing violent, nothing really serious. So she makes him an offer. And she said, hey, you want to go to fire camp? This is Homemade, an original podcast by Rocket Mortgage about the meaning of home and what it can teach us about ourselves and each other. I'm Stephanie Fu. In this episode, walking through fire, literally, to find where you belong. Brandon Smith grew up in Altadena, a small town in L.A. County where there's a decent gang presence. But Brandon stayed out of trouble. He was a good kid. Actually, kind of a nerd. Graduated third in his class. And I ended up going to UC Berkeley. Wow. And folks have so many expectations, like, oh, now you're a Berkeley grad. What are you going to do with that? Are you hopping into politics? Like, what are you going to do with that great degree? But he didn't want to go into politics. He didn't want to do much of anything. So he moved back into his grandparents' house, and then he just drifted. What I call it is I was lost in the wilderness. Mm. I didn't have a sense of purpose in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know who I wanted to be. Was there any aspect of you that was like feeling bad? Like, oh, everybody else in my family is a public servant. Should I be a public servant? Right. Oh, no, definitely. I was just lost in myself. Lost and broke. So back before it was legal in California, he started selling weed. One day I was driving myself and my friends and a few associates around. Um, We got pulled over. The police searched the car and they ended up finding an ounce of marijuana in my car. Over the next few years, Brandon was busted again and again and again for minor offenses, like violating his probation. But eventually, Brandon was sent to Wasco State Prison Reception Center. It's at Wasco that he met the prison counselor, who asked, do you want to go to fire camp? Now, at first, I said, what is fire camp? She said, fire camp is a work release program where you all go out into the world every day and work and you go fight fires. So I said, okay, um, no thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. (laughs) California's inmate firefighter program dates back to the 1940s. 
Every year, thousands of volunteer prisoners are sent to camps all over the state. They're teamed up with professional firefighters, and they work together to control and manage wildfires however they can. But Brandon had no interest in fighting fires. For me, the reason I said no is I remember as a child watching the movie Backdraft, and that scaring the hell out of me. I remember that movie scared me so much, I had an aversion just to fire in general. But when she left, all the other inmates told Brandon he was nuts. Everybody on my tier was like, what? Why did you say no? Why did you say no? Then they're like, bro, when you're at fire camp, think of like a summer camp in the woods. So there's no gun towers or barbed wires, right? And it's not a small cell you're sleeping in a cabin with like 10, 15 other people. And then they're like, man, the food there is so much better. They went on and on. And Brandon was like, damn, that actually sounds pretty sweet. I mean, yeah, he'd have to risk his life fighting fires, but they had a point. The food in Wasco was terrible. I know some people that have an aversion to school lunches. and They're like, oh, my gosh, school lunch was so nasty. Imagine like that times 100. Right. So then the next day, I asked for the counselor and I said, you know what, ma'am, I do want to go to fire camp. The first thing Brandon had to do was be trained to actually fight fires. There was an academic element and physical training to make sure he could go out there and lug around logs and equipment. It was kind of like boot camp. I had to show that I could walk for miles, run for miles, a certain amount of push-ups, sit-ups, squats, all that kind of stuff, pull-ups. It was a struggle for me because I had never been like a physical person. You're not a jock. You're right. I was not one of those people at all. My last time playing sports was in middle school. I was a football player and I sat on the bench the whole season because I was just, I was sorry. I I couldn't do it. (laughs) After a few months of bulking, Brandon earned his certification. They sent him to the Batista Conservation Camp. Half fire station, half mini prison. Batista is in Riverside County, about 90 minutes east of Los Angeles, and just down the road from the city of Hemet. I had never experienced nature like that. Nighttime was really nighttime. (laughs) You know, it was dark. You didn't hear cars up and down the freeway. The smell of the pine trees and... You could hear the water in the creek and all that kind of stuff. It was basically how the inmates at Wasco described it, like going to summer camp. They had a workout room. They had a semi-big screen TV, and we got to pick what we wanted to watch. The food was good. I had a real cheeseburger my first night, (laughs) you know? I got to use the phone during allowed times. I could walk out and take a hike whenever I wanted to if I wasn't working. One of the nicest things about it was that even though Brandon was technically incarcerated, at least in fire camp, he got to be so much less afraid. I'm with a group of people, and we've all been deemed, for lack of a better term, low-level offenders. So I don't have to walk around worrying about getting into fights and confrontations because we're all most— You guys are all (laughs) small-time. Right, we're all those (laughs) folks. So does that mean that you made friends? Oh, yeah, definitely. Some of them are my lifelong friends. There wasn't much fire activity at this point. It was December, so not wildfire season. In the meantime, Brandon and the other inmates were given other jobs to do. Roadside cleaning, making sandbags, clearing brush, 
They spent time training too, like learning how to build a fire break, which is a gap that acts like a barrier to slow down a wildfire. And if you're gonna learn how to build a fire break, you're gonna need a chainsaw. That was one thing he was afraid of. I'll never forget, my captain had put a chainsaw in my hand and I'm like, I don't wanna use this chainsaw. This thing can cut your leg off. That's the first thing they, they say is here's the chainsaw. Just know this can cut your feet off or toe off or your leg. I'm like, what? I'm not about to use this, but he helped me out. And we would connect on like different techniques and how to be safe and how the best way to cut down trees. I just like this idea of, oh, here's all these hardened criminals out in the forest. And you're like, I don't want to use the chainsaw. It's scary. (laughs) Right. I was actually scared of that. And I was even more scared of going on the fire. One of the biggest things I was hoping is like, please don't ever call me on a fire. A month goes by without a fire. Then another and another. It gave Brandon time to perfect his chainsaw skills. Life at fire camp fell into a routine. Cheeseburgers and cutting trees. Then spring came around. And things started heating up. I'm out there cutting and I hear on my radio, I hear an alert. Like a beep, beep, beep. And when you hear that, like everybody stops what they're doing because that's a dispatch trying to get everybody's attention. So we turn the chainsaws off. They like. Crew one, helicopter one, dozer engine one. There's been a fire reported. Go check it out. Let us know what's going on. Now I'm not on crew one. I'm on crew two. So I'm like, Lord, please don't let it be nothing or let them go check it out and say they got it. It's something small. Get to it before it get big. So I get back to working. About 45 minutes later, beep, beep, beep. Uh-oh, here we go. Crew two, engine two, dozer two, helicopter two. I need you all to go report to the Idlewild incident. I'm like, oh, now they put a name to it. Now it's a real fire, like, oh, it's going down. So we pack up our tools, we hop into our crew cabbies, and we're headed up this mountain. We're headed to the city of Idlewild. And we get there. And my adrenaline just starts rushing. Boop, 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 boop. My captain hits the rig. Hey, come on, crew. Let's go. So I hop out. And I swear to you, it's like an Avengers movie. I swear it's like when they defeated Thanos or something. You got people flying. You got people running around with chainsaws. You got dozers, big bulky dozers all over the place. You got firefighters with water holes all over the place. And it's like, oh, we, let's go. No time to think or go be scared. And so we out there, put on the gloves, had a radio on. The captain gives us the plan. Turn on my chainsaw. Yeah, 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 yeah. And here we go. I'm cutting down trees. I'm cutting down brush because I'm trying to create a fire break. And everybody's following me with their tools. We sweating. Everybody's calling out safety and look out for the tree. And where's the fire at? The fire's right there. And, you know, two to four foot flames, you know, just gushing at you with the wind. And it gets hot. Hot and smoky. Brandon says he could barely see. All night long, he'd cut away and build fire breaks. Others would water the breaks to dampen them. He'd cut more, they'd water more, nonstop. Finally, morning came and they had the fire under control. 
the risk to Idlewild was gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're alive. We did it. The crew was exhausted and covered head to toe in ash and dirt and grime. Brandon and everyone climbed into their trucks and headed back to camp. I'm just sitting back. And as I'm sitting back, we're leaving the town, we're going down to town, and there's all these people and all these kids with all these red, white, and blue signs, you know, drawings of firefighters, and they're all just sitting there on the road, like waving and saying, thank you. And I'm like, man, they really do love these firefighters. And then my captain, he overheard me say that, and he's like, well, just so you know, Smith, they call you by your last name, just so you know, Smith, they thanking you too. He's like, yeah, they already know you incarcerated. They already know what these orange suits are, but they still appreciate you and the work that you've done. How did that make you feel? Oh, it was an incredible feeling. It's a feeling of, you know, lifting your head up, poking your chest out like, yeah, I did that. I had walked around feeling like a nobody. And now was one of my proudest moments that I'd had. Like, people are thanking me even because of my faults. Seeing those kids gave him a sense of purpose and of hope. Life wasn't just about survival in prison anymore. He began to see potential for when he got home, for having a truly meaningful life. Fire season picked up after that, one fire after another. He stopped fearing his chainsaw. He even stopped fearing fire. Over the next two years, Brandon says he worked on over 30 wildfires while serving out a sentence. And he loved it. He decided this was his calling. He wanted to become a professional wildland firefighter. Backdraft be damned. From the moment Brandon left prison, he was determined to land a firefighting job. He had the training. He had the experience. This was going to be a breeze. So I started going to fire stations. Dressed up. Here's my resume. Are you hiring? No, sir, you're not qualified. No one wanted to hire him. Over and over, he was told he was not qualified or he wasn't experienced enough. But it's like, are you saying my training was fake? Are you saying my experience is not experienced because I was incarcerated? In a way, they kind of were saying that. His criminal record was the problem. It was like a firebreak, separating him from the career he wanted. And I just kept getting turned down, turned down, turned down for, I think it was about 18 months. Incarcerated firefighters make a huge impact, trying to save entire communities and forests. Their work is sorely needed now. Last year, there were 7,600 wildfires across California. And when inmates are out actively fighting a fire, they're paid $1 to $2 an hour. This program saves the state $100 million a year. All Brandon wanted was a job he already knew how to do and to get paid a normal wage to do it. I remember talking to somebody, one of my buddies, and they were like, so I guess the only way, Brandon, if you want to be a firefighter again is to go do a robbery. (laughs) It wasn't the best of feelings. What made those feelings worse was what was at stake. Home for him was a girlfriend, their young daughter, and a tiny apartment. He refused to fail them. Odd jobs helped pay their bills, that a career would build a future for his family. Finally, a friend from camp, Royal Ramey, reached out. 
he also got out of prison and was also not finding a job. But he heard about a wildland firefighting certification program in San Bernardino County. They were accepting applicants. It was a little demeaning because it would mean that they'd have to do their entire training over again, despite having years of experience. But if that's what it took, that's what they'd do. Lo and behold, the first day in the academy, a chief spoke at the class and she said, if you all do well in this class, I will help you out to go become a firefighter. So right when she left, I ran out the door. Bam, 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 bam. Pull it to the side. Hey, excuse me, chief. Hey, just so you know, I've been trying to do this for about 18 months. I don't think this works for me. She's like, why? I'm the chief. If I say it's going to happen, it can happen. And I'm like, I'm formally incarcerated. I've been in camp. She's like, don't worry. I told you to graduate. Brandon and Royal, naturally, finished top of their class. Of course they did. They already knew how to do everything. At the graduation ceremony, he spotted that chief again. I look at her, she look at me, she smile. Afterwards, we go back out that same door. She say, hey, fill this application out. And I want you to hand it directly to me next week. Not nobody else. Don't email it, don't do nothing. Hand it to me. And that was it. They both got hired as seasonal firefighters. Once they got out in the field, the other firefighters were shocked. They're asking all these questions like, how'd you know all this about a chainsaw? how you know this technique? How you got all this skill and you just got out the academy? So I tell a couple of them I've been in fire camp. They're like, like, what? So I ended up hopping into the network of firefighters. But Brandon's story doesn't quite end there. Because one day, both he and Royal joined a crew in Big Bear, just east of Los Angeles. It's a semi-warm day. Um, playing volleyball near the lake. Firefighters in Southern California love to play volleyball. <laughs> okay. It's whatever, but random note. And then all of a sudden, we see this plume of smoke across the lake. And similar to before, in my first call, beep, beep, beep. They got to work. We're in a whole bunch of mix of pine trees and deciduous trees. We're in a very, very high elevation, so the air is thin. We're working for a couple of hours tired. So during the break, I hear somebody call my name. Brandon, Brandon. And it's the crews from him. They're like a couple hundred feet away. Right there, in front of them, was the crew from Hemet. The inmates from the Batista Conservation Camp, which he and Royal had been a part of just a couple years ago. We run over there, and I'm looking at all the folks in camp that are still incarcerated, and they look very glossy-eyed, like in shock, amazement, like, wait, what? What? Y'all did it? How did y'all do it? How did they get out and become real live firefighters? The legit kind. The paid kind. Brandon was like, guys, guys, I have all the answers. I can tell you, but not out here in the middle of a fire. So he got clearance from his supervisors to speak to them at break. So it's dinner time. So now the correctional staff are there too, the lieutenants and all of the incarcerated folks. And it was so crazy because they gave me handshakes, hugs. One of them, correctional officer, she came over and gave me a hug and she shed a tear. She was like, wow, look at y'all. I mean, we're eating dinner with them and they just unload the table with questions. So we start telling them all of our journeys and what we did, tips and tricks and what not to do. And then at the end, we say this, we say, look, we're gonna give the correctional staff and the captains our phone numbers. If y'all wanna do this when y'all come home, call us. It wasn't long after that before Brandon's firefighter network helped him land a full-time job. 
At the same time, inmates were getting released and Brandon was getting calls. One by one, he'd show them how to get training, how to try and get work. He knew how hard it could be once you got out and he was determined to help as much as he could. Eventually, Brandon created the Forestry and Fire Recruitment Program along with his friend Royal. He actually spends most of his time doing that now and less time fighting wildfires, which he misses. His program has helped over 160 former fire camp inmates find the kind of chances he didn't have when he got out. There was this one guy, for example, who spent 12 years in prison, and some of that at fire camp. He needed a lot of help. He's like, can I do this? I need something to change my life. I can't go back to the streets. So the brother was determined. Our program started at um, 8 in the morning. He would be up at 4.30 taking the bus and always be the first person there. He needed health insurance, food, driver's license, mental health services. And then we found resources, all that kind of stuff, right? And he graduated at one of the highest levels like I did. And I remember like him being so proud. And then afterwards, his mom pulled me to the side and said, like, thank you. Thank you for also believing in my son. I always knew he had this in him. Since Brandon's journey from prisoner to professional firefighter, California passed a new law that helps fire camp volunteers find work after finishing their prison terms. Former inmates can now ask a judge to expunge their criminal records. This helps level the field and gives them a better chance of getting hired as wildland firefighters. As of March, over 1,600 inmates in California's prison system were assigned to one of the state's 35 conservation camps. Brandon's program continues to help many of those former fire camp inmates find careers. They've stayed out of prison and have rebuilt their lives. And he's rebuilt his life, too. He's married, two kids, and settled. I've been blessed to move out of our apartment and now am in a full-blown house with a garage in a backyard. At a party a few months ago, Brandon's mom, who, remember, served in the Army, she pulled him aside. She said, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. You are a hero to me in all the work that you do, and thank you for your service. And I'm like, wait, Mom, why are you getting at me like that? I get at you like that every <laughs> Veterans Day. Like, come on now. But he is proud of himself. And like now, I think I've found what my purpose in life is. It's like, no, I'm not a public nuisance. I'm actually a public servant now. Right, because there was a time where I was lost in the wilderness and I didn't know my purpose or I didn't know my path or next step. Ironically, you were found in the wilderness. Right, right, ironically, I was found in the wilderness. That's interesting, <laughs> I never thought about that. I was lost and found in the wilderness. <laughs> You've been listening to Home Made by Rocket Mortgage. My name is Stephanie Fu. You can reach us at rocketmortgage.com slash homemade or find a link in the show notes to this episode. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030.